This call is being recorded. Hello and welcome to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. Today, we continue our special event concerning the decision to begin the writing and publishing of a series of light embracing books, spinoffs that will augment my published book, Embracing the Abyss. We ended uh, part two as last time we visited, and now we have part three to continue the reading. This will be the last part for the book. Embracing Your Abyss, colon, Get a Grip on Your Life. I'm pleased to announce again our first co-author of Initial Light Embracing Book, Mr. Roland Hallmark, also known as Coach, who authored the book, Get a Grip, before his passing. We ended part two talking about don't shortchange yourself by not experiencing. I'll begin again. Pitfalls abound with the professional environment. The most pervasive and destructive are related to some fashion to your performance. Performances that achieve the expected and beyond are less vulnerable because they can be defended are usually the exception rather than the rule, and because success is considered to be an indispensable quality. However, a sterling performance does not necessarily guarantee the absence of a pitfall, and you must always be alert for signals that a trap is hidden in the environment you're operating within. The following five anecdotes will illustrate some of the more career-wrecking pitfalls I observed during my professional life. Be aware and be alert. Number one, many people in a professional environment are stunned when they become the victims of what I call the sacrificial lamb technique. This cowardly act is commonly committed by people in a management or supervisory position. They purposely position people who they supervise to take the blame for any shortfall in performance by the department they manage. I've actually known several managers who had very successful careers using this technique until they were caught and exposed for the failures they really were. Before they were exposed, they ruined or damaged many careers. Before the wolf uh, beware the wolf in shepherd's clothing. Mm. Number two, mentors are extremely valuable to your career development and a great source of, mo of emotional inspiration. You'd be wise to seek them out and secure the advantage they can provide. The pitfall that can be created in this situation is one of dependency. Hooking your career to someone else's star can be rewarding, but it can also be very dangerous. 
without significantly solid performance and position of our own, your star rises and falls with that of your mentor. The cornerstone of an, number three, the cornerstone of an upwardly mobile career is responsibility. The more responsibility, the more opportunity to demonstrate your abilities and skills. If you want to advance your career, you should seek situations where you are given the responsibility and held accountable for the results. The driving force that makes this responsible and accountable so productive for all concerned is your empowerment by those above you to do the job your way. This empowerment is what will fuel a creative and productive performance and provide the opportunity for it to be recognized. The pitfall in this type of career boosting lies in the lack of ability or courage or those above you to really use empowerment correctly. It is extremely common to find yourself being given responsibility, but directed specifically as how to do the job and then hold personally accountable if there are any bad results. This type of management ignores the value of empowerment and only recognizes you for negative results. When you find yourself in an environment like this, you will do well to either get out or if that's not an option, carefully document exactly what you're being told to do and by whom. Getting your directions in a signed and written document is a great safeguard against falling victim to this pitfall. You want to do everything you cannot be held accountable for, a performance that was not actually yours. Number four, you'll not find a professional environment free of criticism being given and received. It is a necessity known more commonly as evaluation for improving performance. The pitfall hidden in the evaluation process for both the evaluator and the one being evaluated is the perceived purpose. Our basic human nature causes us to receive any criticism as being judgmental and to deliver it in the same manner. You may not escape this trap entirely when you're receiving constructive criticism. You can, however, reduce its negative impact by understanding that it is not personal and to react accordingly. You can make a big contribution in this area by adhering to and being an advocate of the principle that all criticism must be developmental and not judgmental. Number five, the most common pitfall you'll encounter in a professional environment is an association or relationship that harbors one or a combination of fear, jealousy, and intimidation. If anyone above you, below you, or at your level relates to you in this manner, known or unknown, you're picking flowers in a field infested with rattlesnakes. It becomes a question of not if you will be bitten, but when. I wish I had a solution to offer for this destructive problem. Unfortunately, I don't. I can only caution you to beware and constantly alert while being creative and courageous in confronting this dangerous situation. Chapter number eight, get a grip on education.
Over the years, I've learned that it's always dangerous to make assumptions. However, I should be safe in making the assumption that you comprehend the role education plays in life and that you buy into the importance of its pursuit. After all, education is, in varying degrees, essential to our continuing existence. Besides providing our basic human needs, it establishes our lifestyle, fuels our advancement, and feeds our soul. Our success, happiness, and health is tied directly to our overall education and our ability to use it. The central point I would like you to focus on concerning education is one of understanding. Learning something you can't apply means you have missed an understanding how that knowledge is connected to your environment and to your function in it. I've been guilty, as have many others, of passing educational tests on my ability to memorize. While this might have earned me a good grade, it did nothing for my ability to apply what I had memorized. By doing this, I failed to understand the concepts, connectivity, and functions of the knowledge being offered. You must be constantly alert to this educational trap. The bad effect of this lack of understanding may not be felt immediately, but it will cost you dearly at some point. One of the most rewarding and unforgettable experiences in life should be the sensation felt when the light of understanding snaps on. Understanding that will leave you forever changed in some manner. That change in your mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical existence is education and its work close. It will occur over and over again throughout your lifetime. Once in motion, it has the ability to, to perpetuate itself because each change sets the stage for another understanding and the creation of another change. Ralph Waldo Emerson's essay, Circles, best illustrates this per perpetuation with the quote, around every circle, a larger circle may be drawn. Thus, each change brought on through understanding creates the continuing expansion of your life's experiences, abilities, and possibilities. Understanding is so critical to the changes in you, and those changes are so absolutely necessary to the extension of your education that you must make it the most foremost goal in all your educational experiences. Without it, you cannot complete the circle. Chapter nine, get a grip on money. At just about 12 years old is when we begin to notice that less and less money is being given to us. It comes as somewhat of a shock that we are now expected to do something like work in return for the money we were previously given. Welcome to the age of responsibility, in particular, the age of financial responsibility. As you grow older, financial responsibility will become increasingly important to how you function as an adult, how you structure your life, and how you grow as a human being. An entire book can be written on financial responsibility. I would like to present what I know about it through a more simplistic set of progressive understandings. One, 
Understand that earning money is a simple description of the more complex act of exchanging mental and physical effort for something of usable value. Two, understand exactly how much mental and physical effort you must exert to earn any denomination of money. Three, understand exactly how much time you must spend to earn any denomination of money. Four, understand exactly the value of each denomination of money in terms of what it will purchase or what its multiple will purchase. Number five, understand that you cannot spend more money than you can earn within any given time period without going into debt. Number six, understand that debt will cost you money just like a purchase. The cost of debt purchases his time to repay, not an item. You will come to know this is interest on money borrowed by you. Understand that debt is both a legal and a personal obligation that must be met. Failure in this area is unacceptable and far-reaching. It would be a major debt against your balance between good and bad choices. That was number seven. <clears throat> there appear to be four common traps people have a tendency to fall into when it comes to handling money. One, spending more money than they earn, forcing them into debt. Two, spending money before it has been earned. This is accomplished more often than not, though the use of a credit card. The danger here is not just the buildup of debt, but more importantly, the devastation caused by an interruption of income. Number three, attempting to live a lifestyle that is not in keeping with the income. This is commonly known as trying to keep up with the Joneses. An intelligent analysis and decision is called for in situations like this. Find a way to increase your income to accommodate the lifestyle or adjust your lifestyle to fit your income. Number four, failing to know where the money is being spent. The trap is loaded with surprises and unexpected problems, which leave little to no room for reaction, much less corrective measures. The answer to this trap is a budget that distributes known income over a list of known expenses and a posting of the actual expenses against that list. With self-discipline and intelligent management, the opening is to the trap can be closed. I included money as a topic for your consideration because I recognize the role it plays in everyone's perception of success and happiness. While I've learned that such a perception is flawed, I also know you will experience a social structure that relates success directly to money and everything that is expected to come with it. I'll leave you with this final thought on the issue. I was taught from an early age that it wasn't as important how much money I earned it was how much I kept. After a lot of experience, I reconstructed that lesson to, it is not how much I earn, it is what I do with what makes the difference. It is what I do with it that makes the difference. Chapter 10, get a grip on problem solving.
As I watch you grow up, I reminded each day of the importance of your ability to solve problems of all kinds. Life is a constant series of good and bad situations, all accompanied by problems that must be solved if your physical, mental, and emotional development is to continue and prosper. Problem solving is a learned skill that is maintained through self-discipline. It is a creative process that utilizes alertness, analysis, decision-making, planning, and execution to affect a solution. Its reward is success, and its absence is failure. Solving problems should be approached as the development of a unique skill that not everyone bothers to learn. Raising your skill level in this area should be an everyday goal for the rest of your life. Like the artist whose unique vision, treatment of color, brushstroke, and emotional expression dictate the value of a painting, the problem solver's unique ability to anticipate, listen, see, analyze, formulate, and communicate dictate the value of both the solution and the solution's architect. Problem solving is an art form not properly recognized nor appreciated, but it can take you through life's many trials with a minimum of scars. The problem solving process can effectively be utilized by answering the following questions when you're confronted with a situation that you believe may contain a problem or problems. Number one, what makes me think there is a problem or even the potential for a problem? Question mark. What exactly am I hearing that signals a problem? Question mark. What exactly am I seeing that indicates a problem? Question mark. What do I think is the cause of this problem? Question mark. Can I identify the problem by describing it in as much detail as possible? Question mark. Who can I associate with any of these details that describe the problem? Question mark. How does the problem as I understand it make me feel? Question mark. What do I think I should do about this problem? Question mark. Who can I go to for help with solving this problem? Question mark. Other than people, are there other resources available that could help me solve this problem? Question mark. Have I considered all aspects of the problem in enough depth to make a decision concerning a solution? Question mark. Do I have or can I put together a defined plan which when executed will solve the problem? Question mark. Will I be satisfied with the solution I want to bring about? Question mark. If not, why not? And what am I going to do about it? Question mark. What did I learn from this problem solving experience? Question mark. What skills did I find most useful in solving this problem? Question mark. Did I find myself lacking skills in certain areas that would have been useful? Question mark. What were they? What am I going to do about them? Question mark. The key factors to remember when attempting to solve any problem are alertness, analysis, objectivity, planning, and execution. I know for a fact problem solving can be learned and used. It only takes self-discipline 
and practice to reap its benefits. With the right skills, courage and commitment problems cease to be problems and become opportunities for self-fulfillment. Chapter 11, get a grip on life. I have three final thoughts to share as get a grip draws to its end. Each carries an important message for getting the most out of life. How you respond to what happens to you has a greater impact on your life than what happens to you. If you haven't already, you will come to know people who seem to suffer difficulty after difficulty and failure after failure because the negative factors in their lives literally run over them. You'll also see the flip side of this in people who encounter similar situations and don't suffer, seem to suffer much difficulty or failure at all. The difference lies in the response. Those suffering difficulty and failure allow it by responding to negative events with choices that exploit their own weaknesses and support their role as a victim. Those who respond to negative events by using them as opportunities for problem solving and to exercise a positive attitude seem to cope very well and find very few situations that would label as a failure or even difficult. It is all a matter of attitude. I'm certain you have or will hear a lot about how people look at the situation by comparing it to a glass half full or half empty. The people who see the glass half full seem to cope better with negative events in their lives than do those who see the glass as half empty. You may hear this referral to as a self-fulfilling prophecy. Another typical response signaling someone's choice to let themselves be run over by negative events is not, it's not fair. This comment indicates a lack of personal responsibility and accountability. Left to its own devices, life is probably not fair. To really get a fair shake from life, you will have to work at it. An excellent little rule to remember in this regard is, if it is to be, then it's up to me. Blaming the lack of fairness without identifying and eliminating the real cause won't get you very far in life. Stay in the light. Stay in the light were always the last words I heard whenever I left the house during my teenage years. It was my parents' way of reminding me that I should conduct my life and its many activities as if I were under a bright light as everyone could see. By staying in the light, I would not be tempted or pressured into doing something when people couldn't see me, but I would be proud of it when they could. I hope you will come to recognize, as I did, that the light is really created by your own choice to value your principles of character, your standard of behavior, and your accountability. the wisdom to listen, the passion to excel, the courage to risk, the vision to create. I won't bother with the details as to how this particular group of words 
came to be put together. Suffice to say, they and the people involved became very important to me. At this time, I want to pass them on to you as a legacy that if committed to and practiced can make a difference in your life and you a difference maker. Coach Roland Hallmark grew up in Athens, Texas, where he was a star player on the Athens High School Hornet football team. And he attended the University of Houston on an athletic scholarship where he played and coached. He served two years in the United States Army and rose to the rank of major in the Army Reserve. Roland began his coaching career in the Dallas public school system, serving as assistant football coach in Adamson High School and head coach and athletic director at Marsh Junior High School and W.T. White High School. He was recently honored and commemorated for his leadership with the plaque in his name as the first football coach and athletic director of W.T. White High School to be permanently mounted on the entrance to the renovated athletic facilities. That's the end of part three. That's the end of the book. I think it's going to be a good one. There's a lot of knowledge in this book. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of knowledge that people need to become familiar with. I would recommend that from the bottom of my boots. And I want to thank the listeners for listening to the last of the book. Embracing your abyss, get a grip on your life. And thank you listeners for tuning in to Searching for Integrity. So long and happy trails to all.